begun. We're beginning together these three days till um, Monday, just about, I think the retreat ends at three. Um, most of the activities in this room will be finished by one or just after. And then there'll be a few things you can do outside of here till three. And it is a retreat, which when I began to do retreats as a, a meditator some, some time ago, it was kind of clear what it meant 20 years ago. It was a, you went on a retreat and it was pretty serious. And recently I remember, I don't know what you think you're coming to, because there's quite a lot of new people here. So. Um, recently, someone I said I teach retreats. And they said, "Oh yeah, I know about that. That's where you have jacuzzis and massages." And and I said, "Oh, actually no." So if any of you think you've come for that, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not that. We're retreating into. This environment, so the physical environment, is this one. It's Gaia House. It's for three days. There will be practices in this retreat of insight meditation, which I will give instructions for and will unfold over the three days. And in addition to that, there will be another practice that we will do every day of inquiry, which uh, is... I'll explain when we get there, but there'll be a few exercises where we're in pairs, where you're in pairs exploring something. And I'll outline how that goes. And a retreat in this form is one of the ways they look at it in the Tibetan tradition is that you make a boundary around your place of retreat. And for the time of your intention, so in this case three days, you stay within that boundary. You give yourself this structure and you don't go outside of it. Right? And that is a way not to imprison us, not to kind of confine us or bind us, but is a way that provides a structure that we can rest into, we can lean into, we can be supported by, so that we can start to study the mind. Because probably each one of you here is interested in the condition of your mind. Anybody not? Right? This human mind, this, this kind of apparatus that we somehow show up with is of great interest to us. We can spend hours, in this case I'm using mind as thinking mind in this moment. We can spend whole lifetimes up there. Right? And the mind, sometimes we can feel like it pushes and pulls us. It makes or breaks our day. You know, there might be parts we like, like some creative bits or, you know, new thoughts. But sometimes we can feel a little like a, a leaf blown in the wind. Our mind says, jump, we jump. Our mind says, you're like this, I'm like this. Right? Or my mind says, you're like this, and I say, I'm not like that. But that's my mind as well. Right? Kind of shouting at itself. So in a retreat, we give ourselves this boundary, and we have tools, and we have conditions that support the study of this, experience because if we it's very hard to do outside of retreat we can it's not confined to retreat but what happens normally when we're in our familiar situation our familiar environment and the thought is right I'm going to have a I know I'm going to watch the fourth episode of whatever it is, 
right? And then even our best intention might be, I know I feel horrible after four episodes. I don't feel satisfied or nourished or uh, awakened. And then we still find ourselves watching that fourth episode. And we'll all have our own equivalents of what that might be. So the boundary of a retreat, the structure, the form, is to allow us to not have to follow every momentum of our mind. If we want to study it, we have to do something differently, actually, because it pulls us so, it seems to have so much authority. It pulls us so easily. So a retreat, this retreat is a silent retreat. And what that means is that you won't be speaking or engaging, communicating with each other, apart from in these formal exercises which I'll tell you about. That means that you won't... Well, it means that you won't be speaking to each other. It's really simply, that's simply all it means. What that offers us is a chance to know ourselves in community, to be really alone and yet with others, where we're not engaging the verbal formation so much. And all of us have our own relationship with speaking. It can be a wonderful, a wonderful part of being human. And it can also be fraught, right? Either because, you know, it all comes out and, and I didn't mean it to. Or because it doesn't come out and I want it to. And the mind then judges this and that and... You know, pulls and pushes and wants me to be different and the other to be to be different. So letting go of the verbal form for this time means we can attune more to the silence. So I invite you to take a breath in together, breathe in. And as you breathe out, open your ears to receive the silence here. You don't have to do anything. The silence can help us connect with the simplicity of the silence. It doesn't mean all the chatter dies down immediately. That's a training. That's a something that comes. Right? But we can start to become sensitive to that which doesn't make so much noise. Our mind can often be very noisy, right? You're like this. You should have done that. You failed at this. You did this great. You know, big headlines. And we're kind of propelled and pushed and battered in the currents of that. The stillness, the silence helps us start to tune, attune to something much more fundamental than anything our mind could ever tell us about ourselves. In one Tibetan text it says, Underneath the pauper's house, there are many treasures. But the pauper, poor person, poor in spirit in this case, poor in connection in depth, the pauper never listens and the treasures never say, I am here. Beneath the pauper's house, there are many treasures. But the pauper never listens and the treasures never say, I am here. And yet something in each of us is drawn 
to a silent retreat. Whether you came kicking or screaming, anyone come kicking and screaming? It's like, I don't want to go to a silent retreat. Right? We can be ambivalent about it because it's challenging, really, actually. It is challenging. Sometimes we come, the longing is very clear. Sometimes we're just curious. I don't know, just want to find out what happens. Sometimes we come because someone told us it would be good for us. That's harder. You don't, and I'm curious, did anyone come because someone said, that would be really good for you? There's usually some of us there like that. And it's fine, it's really fine, but it's a little harder because we really need to find our own motivation. It's not the easiest thing to study the human mind. Actually, our, particularly our one, right? Sometimes we think, I wouldn't mind studying yours, it looks a little bit calmer than mine, or less stuff in yours, or easier childhood, or whatever it might be. But you're all here. Something draws you to practices of meditation, of stillness, of silence, whether we come happily or not. So the silence is a big part of the support. Um, If you've come with friends or partners, please leave them to have their solitude, their aloneness. Let them have their journey. There's something about not having to engage verbally with each other that does let things start to, to cool cool down a little bit. To know ourselves and each other without having to come up with what might be our familiar tracks of verbal engagement. To know ourselves without having to do anything, without having to be anyone for anyone else. Who are we then? What are we then? The mind's activity to constantly want to define us. We can never find home there. Even if we get the best definition on the block. You're bright, you're smart, you're beautiful, whatever it might be. It's never home. And all of us, whether consciously or not, intuit a sense that something else is possible than being spun in these mind circles. So if you're new to the silence, let yourself feel invited into it. It isn't, you know, sometimes we have each of us a history with silence. You know, not always a happy one. It can have resonances of aloneness or punishment or my local library when everyone went shh when you're five years old, kind of running around. But this silence is one to welcome, is, is really a welcome one. It's like you can breathe out, you can take up the space, you can, like a bath. It's a little cool in here tonight, isn't it? Can you, anyone cool or anyone, anyone else cool? A little cool on the hands, yeah. Just imagine this silence that we will have quite a bit of time in once I stop talking, right? Where you can breathe out, relax, like in a warm bath. You can. The cells can relax, actually, because there's nothing you have to do or be. Nowhere you have to get to, even. It's another one of the traps of the mind. Surely there's somewhere else I have to get to. I read this thing recently from uh, William James. I think he's the brother of Henry James. And he said, human beings are characterized by being in a ceaseless frenzy, char- sorry, characterized by always believing they should be somewhere else. Right? Always believing we should be somewhere else. 
And that can be really gross, like, I don't want to be here, I really should be in X. Or it could be very subtle, just this agitation, this existential agitation of not quite coming home. And in the silence, it may be that people don't necessarily look at you. It's not one of the rules here um, that you mustn't look at each other. But sometimes people really want to take the time to really pull back a, a little more, to have a chance to really know what's going on in here. Sometimes it can be helpful to not have to engage much. Others of you... Yeah, it might be that you see each other and, you know, notice each other. There's no rule about that. But you might notice that um, if you're walking in the corridor and you're feeling really friendly and want to smile and someone doesn't smile back at you, to not take that personally, right? probably means they're taking this, they're making their little boundary around here at the moment a chance to be really quiet with that. So we're the guardians of each other's solitude in this. And please turn off your mobiles. Did Gerald mention that? No. Turn off your mobiles. If you're expecting an emergency or there's something that... Um, I don't know if you can expect an emergency. Can you? Can't really. Um, if there's some way that you absolutely need to be in contact, if you have an you know, elderly relative or a young child, or if there's some arrangement like that, um, you can tell the office or give the, give the guy house phone number to your, your nearest and dearest. Otherwise probably okay for the world to do without us for three days and that's got harder and harder hasn't it we, with the mobiles it's really there's a way we feel indispensable but we're not really and there can be a real relief in letting that go And I would encourage you also not to read any books these three days. If you've brought books with you, thought you'd catch up on your study. See if you can let it go. Books are wonderful, can be wonderful. But if we really want to know something different, part of the conditions for that is doing something differently, so not filling up quite so much with more ideas. You know, we can even even if it's spiritual books, sometimes very tempting on retreat. Ah, oh, and we can be really busy reading about someone else's spiritual experience. Right? Sounds really exciting. Sounds better than mine, or whatever it might be. Right? But there's a huge journey from reading about it to daring to enter the territory of this moment. That very um, noble act, actually. To be willing to drop from the intellectual. Intellectual is fine. Buddhists don't have a problem with intellectual. The Buddha was pretty smart. He had a very bright mind. But we're making a journey from having this as our primary reference, this intellectual facility, the place where we kind of hang out and know the world and or don't know the world and know what to do or don't know what to do and think we should know what to do, to coming into the experiential realm of the direct moment-to-moment -moment experience with just this. No additions, no subtractions, this, this is the place where we wake up, not through someone else's 
insight which can be a guide, which can support us, which can be an inspiration. We make that journey into the experiential realm and, and we can only do that ourselves. Can't do it with our head, actually. So I think I'm going to... I can hear the heating coming on, but it is a little cool. (coughs) I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to move a little bit, and then we'll do an exercise together. So please come to standing. And... There's a little bit more room, so find a space where you can actually move your jiggle around and move your arms. There's a bit more room up here. Yeah. Please don't be shy. There was a Qigong retreat here last week. Everyone was up here jiggling. It's a, even though it looks very formal here, we can jiggle. So let the knees be soft and bouncing a little bit. Let's get the body moving. So even though this evening I've talked a little bit more about mind and the intellectual faculty, this practice includes our body very much, very much. In fact, it's a great reference and support for us, this path. And then bouncing. Quite a springy bunch. <laughs> Wish you could all see from here. <laughs> Probably warming up a little bit. Letting the hands, as if they've got rubber gloves, as if they are rubber gloves actually. Right, all the rings could be shaken off from the wrists. Breathing. To the sides and flick forward and to sense. Breathe. Okay, support the lower back, let the hips turn circles and the hips can lead. Either gently or rigorously, what your hips want to do. Change direction. Taking your seat.
So I'd like you to take a few moments to reflect on why you're here. And it's not a why you're here like there's a, there's a, there's a reason, there's an answer. See if you get the right one. It's why you're here. What brings you here? If I had the chance, I would really love to know individually from each one of you if there was less or we had more time. What are you coming for? Just take a breath as I ask it. Don't worry if you don't know yet. There isn't a right answer here, but the question is a worthy one. What brings you here? How come you're dedicating the May Bank holiday weekend to sitting and walking with your own heart and mind? Is it because you want to stop? That the momentum has just, you just want to put the brakes on? Is it because you want sanctuary or refuge? Might be that you love meditation practice. Maybe you love exploration. Maybe it's the title of the retreat. Maybe it's because we're going to do interactive exercises. Maybe you've been suffering a lot lately and you hear that the Buddha's teaching is about the end of suffering. Maybe someone told you to come. Maybe you want to deepen. One teacher said, I practice meditation so I might see the purple flowers on the hedgerow that I otherwise might miss. Maybe you don't want your life to pass you by. could be millions of reasons. Maybe you're interested in calm, want to know if it's possible. Maybe you want to carry on from where you left off the last time. You know, had a good time last time, so can only get better, we think. Right. What, and what's personal to you here? So again, not a right answer, but what brings you here? And the way I'd like us to um, explore it is together. So I'm going to ask you in a few moments to pair up with somebody. And you'll sit opposite each other. If one of you is in a chair, then both of you need to be in a chair, right? So you're kind of equal height. And one of you will ask the other one, what brings you here? And you, the person responding, will say anything you like, right? Whatever is the spontaneous response that arises in that moment. What brings you here? British Rail. Right, whatever it is, you, you know, just let, let the surface answers be there. They're fine. Right? Your partner will say thank you and they'll ask you again, what brings you here? Oh, I don't know. My wife said it would be a really good idea. Thank you. What brings you here? No idea. Thank you. What brings you here? I wish you'd stop asking me. All right. Thank you. What brings you here? God. I thought we were doing meditation here, not, you know, 20 questions. Thank you. What brings you here? Pfft. 
Well, there was somebody I met once who did meditation and something about them really touched me. I'm curious what that was. Thank you. What brings you here, etc., etc. So the repeti- repetition of the question is just to let you, you know, have all your resistances or whatever, if you have them. Not everybody does. Right. And then just the question keeps being asked, just see how it impacts you here and now without judging the response, without having to get your definitive answer. Well, you may have a definitive answer. It's really for you to start to hear. It's not really for the other one. It's for you to start to hear, yeah, what is this? What is this that I'm interested in here? And the person asking you, you just ask, eyes open, don't add anything, don't agree, oh yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, I don't know, I don't think much of that motivation. Right? You're really just a simple, simple witness. Okay. And we'll develop, each afternoon um, after lunch, we'll do a short exercise like this. So please find somebody to pair up with and decide who's going first and then I'll guide you in to the exercise. Did you find out? Anybody uh, willing or like to say what they heard themselves say? What brings you here? Repeat, did you hear at the back? Can I repeat it? A mixture of wanting to run away and be present at the same time. Yeah. How was that? It felt really freeing to have a witness to that and once I voiced that, I, it just felt okay. It felt really freeing to... Mm-hmm. You may find the odd moment over these three days where you want to get the hell out of here. It happens. (laughs) Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily, can't coexist with, actually there's a deep intention to be really here in this life. Not just here at Guy House, but really be here. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, anything else? Yeah, so the reminding part is a big part, to be reminded of anything fundamental and intrinsic. We have to be here, right? The reminding, it's not just an idea, it's a knowing, right? It's a deep knowing. In fact, one of the um, translations of for mindfulness, so we'll be looking into mindfulness here, um, the Pali word for it, the lang- original language is sati, and sati is translated as mindfulness, it's also translated as remembering, reminding. Something about not just the story reminding, but the reminding of a deep knowing of what and who we are. Yeah. Anything else? Kind of a sense of longing. Yeah. Yeah, do you feel it? Yeah. Yeah. Where do you feel it? Right here, yeah. Does it have a a word on the other end, longing for? <laughs> yeah, good. Feel that longing for, right? But in that longing for, there's a kind of a knowing that there's a, right? Yeah, yeah. Let yourself feel the longing. Yeah. Anything else? 
And is there a doubt that both can happen? That to be really me and be part of? Yes, I don't want to separate. Yeah. I don't want to be separate. Right. Beautiful. Yes, I think on a, on the mind's point of view, or even in our history, there can be the sense of, if I'm really who I am, it's somehow in conflict, somehow separate, somehow apart from. And there's a fundamental knowing where the more and more we are who we are, actually, the more and more we know we're not separate. And that's what you're sensing. Yeah, sounds like. Thank you. Yeah, anything else? My life is very wordy, and I want a semicolon. I want this to be the semicolon. Can you remind me of what a semicolon function? <laughs> I went to school in the 70s. The one is a pregnant pause. Okay, a pregnant pause. Yeah. And as you say that, what do you notice? You feel that you want it, you can sense it. What, what's your response? I want the pregnant pause, right? Just listen. And maybe we can start to hear it. Start to hear, yeah, there's, there's a lot of words for most of us. And something does call us to pause, to know something deeper. Yeah. Let us know on Monday. Yeah. Anything else? It's not just you. Yeah. It's a big part of it here. It's a really big part. It's the support. If you're new, you may not know that yet. Right? But you can consider, if you'd come and you're the only one that showed up, 90% of people would just go home again, I think. We really need the support of each other. And the teachings and the practice and the place and the staff. and the, right. It lets us be supported. So I invite all of you to see if you can let yourself be supported also these days. People are cooking meals for you. You know, maybe you have to chop a few vegetables, but the food's all it's all organized, you know. The gardens are there. You know, the house is prepared and organized. There's a lot of support here. Okay, yeah. Time for maybe one more. So you, it feels right for you to be here. Okay, yeah. And accepting the way things are, it's a, big, it's a big headline in Dharma teachings. Firstly, making contact and knowing the way things are. Because often we're, we're not actually accepting them. We're pulling them and pushing them and tweaking them and spiting them and grabbing them. And, right? Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. So a couple more things before you can retire. Um, one is the one of the foundations of these retreats in this tradition. Um, maybe I'll just say a little bit about the tradition first. The Buddha, the historical Buddha, from you know, almost 2,600 years ago now, from India. Um, brought forth, set into motion quite a brilliant teaching, a, a brilliant teaching for realization, for freedom, for awakening. Awakening can be, many, many things can be said about awakening, but the way he put it 
was awakening to the end of suffering. Right, that's his particular doorway, his particular awakening has this kind of um, lens, actually, a lens that then opens us up to the freedom, to the awakening. So the Buddha's teaching on the night of his awakening was um, to understand that there is suffering, that there is dis-ease, this kind of existential aggravation of not quite being at home. This is the theme I'm going to use this weekend, is about home. This is called the first noble truth. The recognition, yeah, there's this disease, disease in the human predicament. Humans are kind of in this sort of agitated state. He says, the second noble truth, there's a cause for this, right? And the cause for this disease is the clinging, the clinging mind. The third noble truth is that there's an end. There's an end to this suffering. And the fourth truth is that there's a way, there's a practice, there's a method, there's a path. And with each of these truths, there's a, uh, an imperative, an invitation. One of my teachers puts it like, uh, you know, in the Alice in Wonderland story, when she goes down the chute, and there's these bottles with labels on, and it says, drink me and eat me. So there's a little label at the end of each of these truths. It somehow makes it easier to remember. The first truth, there is suffering, there is dis-ease. The label that goes with it is understand me. Understand me. Understand this predicament. Stand under it. Get with it. It's how it is. We sit with our heart mind. We'll see it kick up. And there's pain in that. And at first we might think it's because it's too cold in here or, you know, we look for the blame, etc., etc. And it's not about becoming passive. We'll look into it. It's not about becoming passive and not being able to respond. But it is about making contact with this dis-ease. Understand me. The second truth, there's a cause to suffering and the cause is clinging. The label is, let go of me the clinging, the clinging mind, pulling things towards us, pushing them away. Right? Let go of me. And that whole process and understanding around letting go is, is vast and very deep. As probably all of you have heard about letting go before. Right? Anyone not heard about letting go? Right? But it's not an act of will, or else we could tell you this at five to nine on a Friday night and you could go home. Right? Just let go. Right? It's not quite like that, this this clinging mind that we have to understand it. We have to really understand it. There's a way it's walk me. Do it. Do what has to be done. So to support this endeavor, and whether you frame it, you can frame it in your completely your own way. Actually, I came for calm. I didn't come for the end of suffering. I didn't know that was on the menu. You know, I just came to stop. I came for the flowers. Whatever it is, all is welcome. All is welcome. But whatever it is that's our motivation, our deepest, our shallowest, doesn't matter. For them to bear fruit, we have to get here. We have to really get here, arrive, body, mind, our body, yeah, the one, this one that aches like this and, you know, doesn't work here anymore and, you know, whatever it is we've got going with our body. This mind, the one that kicks up like this and, you know, we have to get here. And one of the supports to, to us to get here is the precepts, the ethical precepts, um, guidelines around our interaction with each other and our behavior, actually, that support us to rest, support us to release, to breathe out. 
So I want to name those five guidelines now and ask you to take them on for these three days. And the first guideline is not killing or harming any living being. So this place is a sanctuary, actually. Includes the small snails on the leeks when you wash the vegetables in the morning, if that's what you're doing. I think we're past leek time, are we? Whatever, whatever vegetable, whatever creatures. So this place is a sanctuary for all beings to breathe out. Second guideline is to not to refrain from taking things that aren't offered to you. So basically, it's not stealing. But the acquisitive mind that wants a bit of that and have some of that and give me some of that. That we're training that mind to just breathe out. Not saying it's wrong or bad. But just to release the grip. Some of you may not be uh, kleptomaniacs. right? But this precept I used to notice, I had this kind of history of liking to take the shampoo in the showers that looked more interesting than my shampoo. You know, not take it away, just use a bit. right? And this kind of acquisitive mind of, we're training here to relax, to relax around that mind. Third precept, to, uh, for the purpose of, of the retreat, to not engage in any sexual activity. In the daily life context, it's not to cause harm through sexuality. On a retreat, we take a celibacy precept just to kind of let go of that, which can be a very big and consuming energy um, at times. It's not putting it in the margins that there's something wrong with it, but it's saying, for now, there's enough to do here. Right? There's this path of awakening requires our full participation. Fourth precept to uh, is actually the noble silence, is the silence for this retreat, to not engage in... Um, speaking with one another apart from in these exercises. Again, that's not an ethical question. You might think that's not ethical. But the, uh, the ethic around it in the, in the normal daily life training is around speaking um, truthfully, actually, when we do speak to speak, as best we know it, what is true. As best we know it. And the fifth guideline is no alcohol intoxicants, things that cloud the mind which excludes, which, sorry, which um, does not include medication. If you're on medication, of course, continue to take that. But any of the alcohol intoxicants, because this training is really inviting us for mindfulness, is a heedfulness, we have to be awake. We don't want to be cloudy for this. So please take these on and... Um, they're a training, they're a foundation, they over time cultivate a mind of less and less regret, actually. And that that allows us to become more easily calm. Actually, the calmness is more available. Because the precepts, if you look into them, they're in, actually in harmony with, as one person was saying, yeah, to recognize that I'm part of it all, not separate. Because we are. And we kind of know it on some level. But while we're living through our mind, it's, it's, all, it's kind of an idea. So as a, as a manifestation, as a... Um, both a training in and a realization of the fact that we're not separate. These precepts are around respect, actually. They cultivate a lot of respect.
think that's most of what I want to say. Um, tell you about the schedule. Just uh, somebody put a note up about ride sharing on Monday. And just to let you know, when the staff do their closing talk on Monday morning, they'll help you all out with that who shares a taxi and who can give a ride. Okay, so you don't need to worry about that yet. So the schedule, was it up already? There's not, yes and no. <laughs> it will be, it will be up. Um, this is the Saturday and Sunday schedule. The wake-up's at 6.30. Who's the wake-up bell ringer? Great. Have you done it before? Okay. So I don't know how Gerald's instructions were, but um, don't be afraid to wake us up. Sometimes people are very polite, ringing, ringing the bells. You don't need to be polite. Right? The point is to wake us up. It's like, oh, shush, I'm trying to sleep. Um, wake up 6.30 and we'll come in here and sit at 7. So tonight I'll, we'll just have a short 10-minute sitting. It's probably been a long day for lots of you. Um, the sitting before breakfast will mostly be silent. I'll give the full instructions after breakfast, in the sitting after breakfast. Um, 8.15, work period for probably three-quarters of you. Um, those not doing a work period then, feel free to take a walk, come in here. Um, finish work at 9.15, even if your job looks like it's endless and you could spend all day doing it, please finish so that you can have a chance to have a glass of water or use a loo or whatever you need before we get together here at 9.30. Um, and please be prompt for that sitting. <coughs> Um, where I'll give full instructions, and then the day will unfold. You'll see how it how it will go. Um, if you're sharing a room with anyone and you haven't said hi to your roommate, feel free tonight to say hi. And just if you need to say the window open or closed or whatever, do that tonight, and then leave each other to be. Even if it's not all going to be satisfactory. No, it's kind of can be. It's not always easy sharing a room. Um, but after tonight, let each other have the solitude there. Any questions about the practical part so far? <coughs> 